Welcome to the Becoming Your Best podcast with Steve Schellenberger. You're listening to the show that is guaranteed to help you transform your life and achieve results that otherwise would have seemed difficult or even impossible. In each episode, you'll learn from someone who has achieved extraordinary goals. Steve is the number one national best-selling author. He's successfully started 11 businesses in three separate industries. He is a highly sought-after keynote speaker and corporate trainer for organizations around the world, an executive coach, the father of six, and the founder of Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. Here is Mr. Steve Schallenberger. We welcome our listeners to the Becoming Your Best podcast series. This is your host, Steve Schallenberger. And I'm excited today to share with you some experiences that I've had over the last few months as I've traveled in different places throughout the world of leadership lessons and best practices and what are those things that really create excellence. Uh, As I visit with people and many times in keynotes, we'll invite people to raise their hand and, and ask them, who here is a leader? <laughs> and it's always fun to see how many hands go up because inevitably, many hands do not. And then I point out, well, every single person here listening to my voice is a leader. They're a leader one way or another. At the least, you're leading your own life and the decisions that you make literally create Uh, your character and your destiny in the future. And so whether you're a a homemaker, a stay-at-home parent, a coach, a teacher, a division leader, a production manager, a technician, or a CEO, we all share leadership. And one of my observations, and this has been underscored once again uh, through my travels, is that great leaders produce great results. In other words, that is the defining factor in getting world-class type results. It is a type of of leadership, and that is what I'd like to visit about with you today, because I've noted that many of us wonder if we really have what it takes to be great leaders, especially to create sustainable great results in our home, in our own lives in our teams and relationships, and certainly within our organizations. So I'm going to give a number of examples of places and uh, groups that I've visited with over the last few months, and I'm going to share a few things that I've seen that have been present in every one that have allowed them to be the best at what they do. And this is what, of course, we all want to do. We want to work on becoming our best. It's not really compared against another person. It's compared against what our capability is, what our potential is. My first stop early in the year, <coughs> excuse me, was in Nicaragua. And I had the opportunity to visit with President Brian Russell. Brian and Peggy have a three-year assignment to preside over a mission in the Managua South Mission. Uh, so I'm going to share some of the things that I saw there, but certainly What they are doing is creating excellence in that country and having the opportunity to serve thousands of people to help them do a better job, to be happier, to find greater satisfaction and peace in their lives. My next stop was in Guatemala, and I had the opportunity to uh, visit with the leadership from 11 countries of a school system. 
And this is a trade school that was preparing a certain group of people. That would be young individuals from 20 to 30 who basically did not have the capacity to produce more than a basic living. They were, were the peasants just stuck in a cycle that, of generations. And so this school has created a very unique process of partnering with commerce and then funding a full curriculum for these students who commit to six to nine to 12 months of training. And the result is that after that time, 97% have jobs at a solid paying wage. It has lifted them out of poverty. And what are we talking about? Among these 11 countries, last year they had 2,000 graduates. Those 2,000 graduates affected five dependents each. And so the calculation was that this group, this school, which is supported by a generous foundation with this vision and purpose that was created uh, some years ago, was able to affect 10,000 people in providing uh, a better living, a hope for the future. That's the second experience I had. The third experience was on to Cuba. And uh, the thing I'd like to point out here is this is the result of an individual two years ago that got an idea that uh, with the World Presidents Organization and the Utah chapter, that this would be a great activity. And so the plan was hatched, the vision was conceived, the plan was set, and, uh, and not only the plan, part of that plan was to get the guidance of somebody who had done this, organized many trips so that he could rely on experience. Uh, in short, this program was sold out with the maximum of 16 couples that went, and they had an extraordinary experience of humanitarian exchange, but also looking at ways to do business. And, and uh, that was very interesting. On next then to an organization called EGIA, the Energy Gas Industries Association. <laughs> wow, what a group. This is a national association in the United States that provides services in the electric and gas industry, particularly to HVAC contractors, renewables, solar. So anything that might affect this industry and this organization over the last 20 or 30 years has become the premier association to support this organization. One of the things that they've done this year is they've launched five leadership academies. I had the opportunity to participate in Napa, California at the Silverado Country Club and then in Destin, Florida at a beautiful resort destination where they had contractors from these parts of the United States. Well, what they did once again is they set up a vision and they said, how can we create a resource to help our contractors be better? They put together a brave plan and a thoughtful plan. It was bold in outlining what could take place, take place, and now they're doing it. And the impact is enormous in the lives of hundreds of these companies to help them be more successful. And once again, think about the intergenerational impact this is having. It's having an impact on their employees, but not only this generation of employees, but the next generation. Well, that's a fabulous example. 
The next stop was on to Dubai just three or four weeks ago. It was the global leadership it was a global leadership conference where over 2,700 CEOs and presidents from all over the world convened. They had the opportunity to develop network experiences with one another, compare stories of the things that they were doing. This was in association with the Young Presidents Organization and World Presidents Organization. Uh, also, they heard speakers on the future uh, to be forward thinking. How does this affect their organizations? How can they be in a place to make good decisions? One of the speakers we heard was the Prime Minister of the United Emirates. And this is a fellow who was charged 10 years ago to help build the government for the United Emirates. And they have built a shining jewel in the middle of the desert. They've created a country where people can come, where they were respected, where religion and race and uh, sex are all respected. So women, men of all types of background. And so their vision was to create a crossroads for the world where people could come and do business and, and feel a safety and a security where people would be respected. He talked about the things that they've done to create uh, just literally like a phoenix. It's a city out of the sand. <laughs> And you have the tallest building in the world. You have one of the best, air, well, arguably one of the very best airlines in the world. And so it goes. His comment as he addressed us was this, is that we do not believe there is an impossible in the United Emirates. <laughs> and their track record has shown that they've overcome obstacle after obstacle. So once again, I'm going to outline what I've seen that has helped each of these organizations, these leaders, to set such a high standard of performance where people can be fulfilled and they can make such a difference. One of the last experiences that I want to talk about is one that I just returned from a couple of days ago in the Manila, Philippines. Uh, we had the opportunity to work with an extraordinary company that we've had the opportunity now to work with a couple of years. They are world-class. They have close to 7,000 employees led by a fellow by the name of John Henry. And uh, they are doing exactly the type of things that create excellence. They have set the vision under John Henry's leadership. One of those visions is to be the best at what we do. Well, this has a deep meaning to their employees. And then they've quantified what that vision looks like how do they measure that vision for them it's measured in the number of countrymen that they're able to touch with their services and they have a clear vision of uh, going to the year 2020 one of the things that i loved is they are working of cascading these principles of becoming your best down to all of their employees uh, is an image that John Henry shared with their employees in his visit as he went around the country to visit with his employees. It's called Isan Banka. And this is an outrigger, a boat. And if you can imagine in the boat, uh, you have 10 people. You have the leader, the drummer, the one that sets the cadence, the direction, and the nine rowers. Now, he asked the question, what happens as you're in the race of business, the race of working on your goals, of doing good, 
What happens if you have only three of those individuals paddling? How is it going to work? How are we going to do? Well, the fact is that worldwide, the general research supports that the level of engagement is about 30 to 35% of employees are really actively engaged in the, realizing the vision of their companies. So his question to his employees and his also invitation was to have every employee paddling, everyone engaged. And then they set up the culture to work on making this happen, investing in training, uh, setting up a culture of interaction. So it's a dynamic and energetic culture that understands the same vision. They have a same set of plans. Now, I've given these examples. I'm going to save one a little bit later. But here is what I saw as a common set of practices and principles with each one of these organizations. Number one is the leader put forth an inspiring vision. And it was one that was linked to a deep cause that made a difference. So this is the first one is they articulate the vision. They certainly involve their key stakeholders. But once it's established, they talk about it, they communica communicate about it, and it becomes a driving force within their organization. Uh, certainly, what I saw take place is they understand that a effective a vision uh, provides leadership in the absence of supervision. So people get it. They can align their abilities and skills towards that vision. So that's number one. Each one of us can say, regardless of where we're at in our leadership, is, uh, is it clear? Is it compelling? Do people understand it? All right. The second thing I noticed is each one had a plan. They set up how they would achieve that vision. Uh, part of that is setting up a rhythm of, uh, within their organization of clear goals. So they have annual goals. And this is for an overall organization. And then each group has their own goals and each of the key employees have their goals. And then they set up a rhythm of follow through for managing around key performance indicators that make the defining difference within that organization. Uh, so they set up quarterly goals. So for example, we're just coming out of the first quarter going into the second quarter. Part of that rhythm is that they would have a quarterly meeting to report on how is it going? How do they match up to the year? How did the first quarter go? And what are our plans for the second quarter? And then, of course, from this, they're able to manage monthly, weekly, and daily around those things that matter most, the key performance indicators. And they set up data. And this data is something that is reported on regularly so that they know how to make leadership decisions. So that's the second thing I've seen. Number one is they lead with the vision. Second, they manage with a plan, and it's setting up a rhythm supported by clear data. They regularly go over these. And I might add then, in addition to that, is I notice that these managers go around, these leaders, and talk with their people. How are you doing? What, is your, what are your key performance indicators? Let's review these. How's it going? How are you feeling? What are your plans for the next one to three years? 
any recommendations for us of how we can do better. So there's this type of dialogue. And now on to the third thing that I saw that was in common among these organizations I've mentioned is that they participate in one form or another in what is called pre-week planning. Pre-week planning is simply taking some time during the weekend but before Monday morning at 8 a.m. and thinking about the week coming up in terms of your key roles. And people ask, well, why do you start that way? Well, because as you think about your key roles, personal and the dimensions of personal might be professional, CEO, teacher, coach, parent, father, mother, could be a grandparent, could be a son or a daughter, a friend, could be civic. Well, this invites us to think in terms of balance, and it brings balance and organization into our lives. And so what we're doing is scheduling our priorities, not just prioritizing our schedule. So we have the opportunity during that weekend is to look out one, two, and three months in advance. What kind of things do I need to do this week to get ahead of the curve? And then what things matter most with these roles? And then decide when you'll do it. This practice is enormously important in doing the right things of if I am a division manager, if I am a coach, what are the things that matter this, mo this, this week that matter most this week that give me the desired outcome? And the last one that I'd mention is that they're simply not willing to have a culture by default, but it's a culture by de design. They're thoughtful about the people they work with and living the golden rule of creating a circumstance where there's an environment that makes this culture, the people come alive to engage. And so they systematically do things to, as they work together to create a customer loyalty, to build high trust, to work with their key partners and have strong relationships, to be good listeners. So these are the things that build a vibrant culture. So those are the things I saw wherever I went. It's just so exciting working with organizations that set a high mark because it brings not only a greater success within their organization, but it's a greater fulfillment with their people. And this sets a model of the things that they do personally in their life. And so I had asked the question for each one of us, how about us? Do we have a personal vision? Do we have a plan for the year? Do we take some time to plan out our week before we start it? And what are our relationships like? Are we the ones that are taking the initiative to make a difference, to be kind, to take the high road? Well, these are things I saw that uh, made a difference that each one of us can do. And I'd like to just finish with one other experience I had, I participate in a forum with some really wonderful CEOs. And early in the year, we sat down in a forum meeting and we decided to go around and share what our goals were for the year. Now, this was a great process. I'd like to share one thing that was in common with all of them, in addition to their desires to be good leaders. And I noticed it popping out and each one of them said, 
one of my goals is to read 12 books. <laughs> and as they went around, I quietly noted that down. This is also one of the things that I noticed among leadership. This is great leadership, is that they read, read, read. Leaders are readers, and it stimulates their mind. It helps give them new thoughts. So I would encourage our listeners to keep reading. Uh, and I am feeling that very same impact of inspiration. Uh, I'm reading, it just feels like some of the best books I've ever read. And uh, it makes a difference. Well, I want to thank each one of you for participating today. Uh, as I was working with this last client in the Philippines, uh, one of the things I noted, by the way, whether I went to Nicaragua, Guatemala, Dubai, is that there's a Filipino population all over the world. What an extraordinary people that they are. For example, um, I, one individual told me there may be as many as a million Filipinos supporting what's going on in Dubai. And I noticed that they're happy, they're industrious, they're street, street smart, they're, they're adaptable, and they don't always have the most in physical possessions, but they're working on growing and trying to do better. But I noticed that they've made that a better nation. They've lifted it, and they do that wherever they are. Well, I love those type of qualities. It's, a, it's an amazing group of people. And as I thought about working with this company uh, who is so inspiring, I thought of this quote, and it really applies to each one of us. It's not the critic that counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. But the credit belongs to the man that is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, for there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who does actually do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasms, the great potentials and devotions, who spends his life in a worthy cause. And if at best, at the end, he knows the triumph of high achievement. And if at the worst, if he fails, he fails while daring greatly so that his soul shall never lie among those cold and timid souls who neither know victory or defeat. Well, the listeners to this podcast, I guarantee, are in the arena. You're working on making a difference at, in your home, with your teams, in your own life, and with your organizations. And so I congratulate you. I hope some of these thoughts have been helpful today. And I wish you the best as you continue to make a difference. Thank you. This is Steve Schallenberger with Becoming Your Best Global Leadership. And thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Becoming Your Best podcast. We want to know what your big takeaways were. So head on over to becomingyourbest.com. And you can find all the information about the podcast right there, as well as the show notes page, where we'd love to hear what you thought about each and every single episode. Also, if you haven't done so yet, 
please go subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating and review. A rating and review is by far the best way for you to show your appreciation for the show because it helps other people find out about the show and decide if this is the podcast for them. So now it's all in your hands. It's time for you to go out there to take action and truly start becoming your best.